Welcome to the Headache 360 Podcast, a place to listen and learn about the diagnosis and treatment of chronic headache and migraine pain, because information can be the best medicine. Hi, and uh, welcome to the Headache 360 Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Adam Lowenstein. And uh, today I have a great guest who is uh, arguably overqualified to be uh, talking to me. Um, Dr. Prabhu Raman is a uh, physiologic neuromuscular dentist. And uh, I have to admit that I did not know uh, such a specialty, such a specialized specialty uh, existed before I got into to, uh, doing headache surgery myself. Um, Dr. Raman uh, came from India in 1972 and well to, went to uh, William Jewell College and got his uh, DDS, his doctorate in uh, dentistry from the University of Missouri in Kansas City, and he has done extensive postgraduate uh, education uh, after that. He uh, does a lot of teaching and a lot of speaking around the country and around the world and uh, uh, mentorships. He is um, a fellow of the International College of Craniomandibular Orthopedics and has a mastership status there. I, uh, um, and uh, then uh, there's another prestigious institution uh, in Las Vegas called the Las Vegas Institute of Advanced Dental Studies, and he has a mastership there. He's the only dentist with these two masterships and a lot of initials after his name. M-I-C-C-M-O and L-V-I-M as well as D-D-S and uh, Dr. Raman, thank you very, very much for uh, being here with us today and uh, please feel free to uh, fill in the blanks wherever I might have uh, have missed out on some things here. That Your, your, your education is uh, quite impressive. Well, thank you so much, Dr. Lowenstein. It's very kind of you. Uh, this is just my passion, so you end up collecting a few <laughs> initials after your name. <laughs> well said. So um, we, we've talked in the past uh, a little bit about um, what you do. And I, I, as I said, I, I'm not uh, historically familiar with all of, uh, particularly all of these letters. And we know that uh, a lot of patients' headaches are coming from uh, their jaw and uh, their joints in their jaw, and um, commonly, I think we hear the the letters TMJ, uh, but there's also TMD and uh, CCMD, and I'm hoping that let's start off by maybe you can tell us a little about what all of these uh, different letters mean. I'll be happy to. Uh, TMJ is commonly used uh, to denote to problems related to the jaw joint. TM stands for temporal, mandibular, temporal is part of the temporal bone, and then mandible would be the lower jaw, where they connect will be a temporal mandibular joint. And the problems related to the TMJ often are called TMJ disorder, or just for short TMJ. That's like saying you have knee, meaning really you have knee <laughs> problems. I've always wondered about that, because it yeah. doesn't sound right, but okay, it, yes. Yeah, but that is colloquially used. But yeah. really, TMD sometimes is used for temporal mandibular disorders, and uh, temporal mandibular dysfunction is a better term, meaning the lower jaw connecting to the upper upper head, if you would, that's part of the yeah. temporal bone being part of the head. If there's a misalignment that's not functioning correctly, then it is a little bit more than a joint alone. The analogy that I often use is 
if a door doesn't quite fit right in a hotel room, for example, most people just shove it really hard and close the door so they can lock the door, but no one will say it's a perfectly fitting door has been shoved in. If you hmm. keep doing it long enough, eventually something will happen to the hinges. In this analogy, upper jaw is like a door frame, it's immovable, the lower jaw is the movable part, and if that doesn't quite fit right, meaning uh, it takes some effort for the jaw muscles, the muscles that are controlled by the trigeminal nerve, the masticatory muscles, to get them into place so they can close, meaning the teeth can come together, then that effort over time can have an impact. So a lot of problems are related to muscle-related problems because they're working hard all the time. And sometimes that precedes, or many times it precedes, joint problem. Just like a door doesn't fit long before the, jo- the door hinge goes back. That makes sense? Yeah, it makes sense to me. And the um, CCMD part, uh, whatever happens to the jaw affects the neck. As a matter of fact, you know, it is normal for somebody to open the mouth really wide for the neck to go up, go back, like the head tilts back, right, if you open really wide. Yeah, so I'm doing the, it right now. I bet a lot <laughs> of our listeners are too, but yeah, go ahead. Uh, so the uh, lower jaw where it connects to the uh, the head, the temporomembral joint, that condyle is called, like a little bumpy part, the ball of it, if you would consider this socket, that, and the uh, bottom part of the skull, the occipital condyle, they kind of work together in unison. Functionally, the upper part of the neck and jaw are connected, meaning whatever happens to one affects the other and vice versa. So the term that I have preferred to use for some years, uh, it's not well known yet, I hope it becomes, uh, is a craniocervical mandibular dysfunction. The temporomandibular drop to talks about just the head and the jaw, but this one goes one step further because in reality, neck is affected, you can't take it out of the equation. So the craniocervical, of course, uh, head, neck, and then the mandibular, the lower jaw dysfunction. They don't function right because this includes symptoms that are primarily related to neck. In other words, it may not feel like a jaw-related problem, somebody has a vertigo, as an example, but that could be from a misalignment of the upper part of the cervicals, atlas and axis. So the CCMD is a little better term in terms of a true uh, description of this problems because then you can see why that can have a global uh, symptomatology more than just the jaw and head. So it's just kind of instead of the ankle bone connected to the leg bone connected to the knee bone, it's kind of like the jaw bones connected to the 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 neck bones and uh, the neck muscles and uh, what causes problems in one thing can be cascading to the others as well. I love it. A highly qualified surgeon using a children's <laughs> analogy. <laughs> it makes sense. It makes um, sense. So. Uh, can you just, uh, for our listeners, I mean, I know a little bit about this, but the uh, the anatomy of the temporomandibular joint is, is somewhat unique in the body uh, as kind of a translational um, joint as opposed to a kind of hinge, hinge joint, if, if I'm not mistaken. Is that something that is worthy of a, a little discussion? Sure. It is the most unique joint in the whole body, uh, bar none. One time I was in a uh, I, I take yoga and I took a yoga uh, uh, um, workshop uh, by a surgeon from Florida named Ray Long and he said something about how the shoulder joint is the most complicated. Anyway, so he had to stop for a second and said, off, way, off the ones that I operate, they're the most complicated. So, you know, obviously <laughs> uh, in the, the TM joint, the jaw joint can act like a hinge, just like an elbow in one plane. 
It can also act like a rotating part, just almost like a oh, hip or a shoulder. It can actually come slightly out of the socket, translate out of there. So it can have all these complex motions, no other joint has that. So, and the funny part also, we can call it that is, whatever happens to one joint affects the other because <laughs> connected by the that jawbone, that horseshoe bone. Yeah. And uh, the, the, the in, most interesting part is, when we close the joint, lower jaw, what stops it is our back teeth. In other words, depending on how tall the back teeth are is how far the jaw encloses. So huh. if somebody were to lose the back teeth, or they were, uh, uh, you know, they're restored, but they're a little shorter than otherwise. Now the joint is closing further than it should. That would then lead to the disc getting out of place and all kinds of problems. Got it. Okay. So, so when a patient, I, mean, I guess let's start off. Who usually comes to to your office? What when you see a new patient? What what are their symptoms and where do they come from? It varies quite a bit. About half of my patients are referred by other doctors, dentists, and physicians. Uh, some are from ENTs because one of the common symptoms is uh, uh, ear pain. So it makes sense for them to think, I must have ear infection. They go there and say, no, no, ears are fine. I think it's your jaw. That's common. About half of them are. The other half find them find me on the internet, even from overseas and so on. And the, uh, what I have noticed is, of the half that find me uh, through a physician's or dentist referral, doctor referral, they primarily come to me thinking some kind of a job problem because the way they think is, well, he's the person that takes care of the job problem. But uh, the other half oftentimes may have other issues. I mentioned vertigo. I have seen several patients that would have a intractable vertigo, uh, nothing can be done and you know, well-known institutions have done everything they know how, said so nothing can be done. And yet it turned out their upper jaw, I mean upper part of the cervical, I mentioned about atlas and axis, that was misaligned because the jaw doesn't fit right. So if we get the jaw, neck, all of them together at the same time, properly aligned, then it corrected those problems. So sometimes the people that find me on the internet may be looking for solutions for other symptoms that were uh, that were considered to be incurable. Got and, it, right. and sometimes they think it's unrelated, but it's actually quite related. Uh, yes. Again, they're looking at uh, symptoms, vertigo, they immediately think in terms of uh, balanced organs in the ear, right? That makes yeah. sense. But it can also be if the head is not screwed on straight, <laughs> basically. <laughs> if the atlas is off, the one set of balance organs at a different level than the other. So and just for, for listeners who are not uh, anatomy um, oriented, uh, the atlas and uh, and these these um, these are uh, bones. The, the there are specific. There are a couple of specific um, cervical vertebrae. Uh, mm -hmm. or bones in, in the cervical spine that have their own names. Yep, they're so um, special, they have special names. C1 they, is Atlas, C2 is Axis. Right, so that's uh, that's what uh, uh, Dr. Raman is referring to. So uh, so what kind of interventions would would you be offering for for your average, I mean, there's, I'm, in a specialized practice like yours, I don't think there's any average patient because usually, it, at least in my practice, by the time they get to me, they've been through the average things. Yep. But um, you know, kind of similar, kind of similar. Yeah. What what kind of uh, what kind of things do you do you have as uh, interventions? Good, good question. Uh, oftentimes, people think I treat a lot of. Uh, oh, you treat migraine. You treat uh, trigeminal neuralgia. You treat fibromyalgia. Whatever. And I usually tell them, actually, no. 
All I'm going to do one thing, and I hopefully do it very well, is getting the jaw and neck lined up right. So it starts off as a very thorough diagnostic workup, and that includes, um, you know, uh, we have a cone beam CT scan in the office we have for 13 years. Uh, we do scans of that, lots of measurements of the muscles and so on. Bottom line is, because that affects it, the jaws and lined up right, it doesn't have tongue room, the tongue doesn't have enough room in order to compensate for the airway, the head comes forward, uh, that leads to neck problems and so on and so forth. So my job is to see if what if I can get all of them, jaw, neck, vertebrae, all of them as optimally aligned as possible. We're not talking days, we're talking about an hour and a half, uh, to get that all correctly diagnosed the uh, discrepancy between where the jaw is coming together now compared to where it ought to be, that gap, if you will. And that varies, whatever that might say. It's not always equal, some more than the other or whatnot. And once that is diagnosed, the first step is do it reversibly because it is really important to me. We don't do anything to make people worse than they already are, right? Yeah. Above all else, no do, harm, do no harm. So uh, the first step is uh, make up the difference in what's called a fixed orthotic. Basically, bond uh, tooth-colored composite material onto the lower jaw teeth so that it's on top of them, but it looked like teeth, so that when the jaw comes together, these uh, fake teeth, if you can call it, they come together rather than your natural teeth. Natural teeth are at a lower position, if you will. And that is done for no more than 90 days. And that's a trial time. And the large extent is because chronic pain, as you would know, is considered incurable. That's why they have pain management doctors, because once you have chronic pain sets in, the neuroplasticity, if you would, the, the um, uh, memory of the pain. Yep. No matter what you do, nothing will get better. I'm not saying they're wrong, but what I do know is if I do this much of a whole body outlook, getting the jaw and neck lined up, uh, when I keep talking about a neck, about 2006, 13 years ago, I came up with a technique to relax the neck muscles. Uh, somebody named it my name and all that, but that is basically going through the number 11 spinal accessory nerve, the cranial nerve number 11, to get all those muscles that are controlled by that nerve to loosen them up as well. Then I also do some physical therapy in the neck, get them all aligned properly. And, and so what do, you do, what do you do to the spinal accessory nerve? Uh, stimulate them from the outside. There's a posterior triangle, cervical triangle, posterior tri cervical yeah. triangle um, is the, uh, the border would be a, a sternocleidomastoid muscle and the clavicle and the uh, trapezius, right? That triangle right. Yeah. and about two-thirds of the way up, that was my research to figure out where to put it, um, so somebody named it after me. But anyway, that idea is if you can stimulate from the surface to ultra-low frequency tense machine. It's every one and a half oh. second a pulse. It's not a usual tense machine. There's a pain control. This is much, much slower. Mm -hmm. And it is critical about where we place it so that we stimulate the motor nerve. So all the nerves, all the muscles that are controlled by that are contract and let go contract let go every one and a half seconds that uh, honestly when I first did it 2006 or so I didn't even know all those little muscles including the uh, um, um, little known muscles like a, um, posterior let me see um, I'm drawing a blank the, the yeah, my, no, my dural bridge the uh -huh. little muscle that controls, uh, connects to the dura mater to the C1, even that gets oh. loosened up. Wow, okay. 
So it's cool to be able to do that. And then back to your question about how to fix them, make sure that it actually helps them. Over 90% of the people are helped by this. I know this uh, seemed like a far-fetched uh, statistics, but that's what it is. But it's not 100%. There are some people, no matter what I do, they're just not feeling better. At least I haven't gotten them any worse. Take them off. Yeah. But if they are helped, which most of them are, then we have some three different options. One is I can just replace the fixed arthritic. I do the fixed arthritic because I want it to be 24-7. Just like doing a cast on a broken leg instead of something that comes on and off. Sure. During the healing period or during the period we know we want to erase that uh, neural, the memory of the pain, if you will. Once that is done, I can actually move the teeth to where they should be. You know, then we do orthopedic and orthodontic braces and other appliances, change the jaw shape itself, and move the teeth to where they should have been, so that once it's all done, their natural teeth are coming together where they should have been, replacing the orthotic that I would have done to begin with. That's one, one option. Other times, people don't have the patience to go two, three years. They want it done like much quicker. <laughs> then I can get the orthopedic change and move the teeth straightened out and then add porcelain to all the teeth, top and bottom, at one visit. So that gets done quicker, less than 12 months. It costs more. Then the third option would be somebody that say, you know, I know you've just had the upper jaw, still where it is. You just made the change on the bottom, but I'm feeling 90% better, 95% better. I don't need to get any better than this. I want to do it economically. Then we will remove that fixed orthotic in stages so that we can record that refined alignment, if you would, mm. and make something. It's a computer-assisted milling process, so it goes on top of the teeth, but they can take it out and brush and floss compared to a fixed orthotic that is attached to it full-time. So it's a management option. And, and a lot of people do that as a, an economical way of doing it. I'm not really invested on which one they choose. My job is to know how to do it give them all the options, give them the plus and minuses, and I step aside and you decide what makes sense to you. Right. Okay, so so in short, um, you're, you're basically changing their occlusion, right? Correct. That's, Correct. Okay, so and just again for listeners, occlusion means where the uh, upper teeth and the bottom teeth, um, how they meet uh, yep. when you're in your bite. Yeah, so, where they come together. Yeah. Right. Um, and, uh, well, so I, I've actually got, I got so many questions for you. Um, so what, so it sounds like what you're starting is you're, you're, you're starting with a, an occlusion, occlusion, uh, change test, but these, this stimulation of the spinal accessory nerve, uh, kind of resets things to, to relax those muscles, uh, and, and mimic what, uh, a longer term, uh, change in the occlusion would be? Is that is that well, fair? Well, it's fair, but actually I, I didn't speak enough about the trigeminal nerve. Trigeminal nerve is the one that moves the jaw, right? That has been done for a lot longer than I have. You know, that has been, that is the original method of neuromuscular dentistry, where they put the similar technique, where they put the, um, uh, right by the uh, mandibular notch on the side, put a pad and then pulse the number five trigeminal nerve and number seven facial nerve. That is the classic neuromuscular dentistry. Okay. That has been done a lot longer than I have. But I've been doing this only about 25 years, and <laughs> I came up with this technique about 13 years ago to add to that. Same idea, but the neck as well. That's when the CCMD part, that's when I suggested the CCMD part, because now we are looking at the jaw and neck, not just the jaw. But the, the muscular... Um relaxation mm -hmm. is kind of like a resetting 
with the appliances, even temporary appliances in, in place? Well, resetting may not be, uh, basically, uh, as you know, a muscle that is tight, uh, it now doesn't have the normal venous flow or lymphatic flow Correct. because everything's up, lactic acid builds up and all this stuff, right? So when we do this pulsing, it essentially loosens up those muscles. Think of it like a massage, electronic massage through the nerves, so even the muscles I can't reach are all in, you know, contract, let go for yeah. an hour. And in addition, one of the other things that's cool about that is because it is just a, a motor nerve that I'm uh, pulsing further down from the brain, the message or the pulse doesn't just go downstream, it also goes upstream, the antidromic. So because the nerves don't have a valve, they can go either way. So it also is useful during the time I'm pulsing, it basically blocks the messages from the central nervous system. So the idea of the muscle memory, my idea of uh, uh, muscle spindles being tight because you stress any of those are temporarily blocked. So it's basically blocking that message while I'm loosening up the muscles. When we're done, what we're really looking for is if the muscles are unstrained, they're not tight, they're not, they're loosened. Again, if you go back to the actin myosin filament, you know, the muscle physiology or muscle down to the cellular level, the actin myosin filaments, they slide across, right, when they contract. Now they are kind of at an optimal overlap. They're not stretched too far, they're not tight, they're just idling. How do we know they're idling? We can measure the, in real time, we can measure the electromyography output of even. Yep. A calm muscle would be kind of idling like a nicely well-tuned car. A muscle that is hypertonic, that's working a lot, would be higher. Just like a car that is idling at, say, 3,000 RPM. That's not normal. So uh, we can actually measure that in real time so we know how it was before, how it is after that is relaxed. When all the muscles are nice and calm, how does everything line up? Because lower jaw can infinite... Uh, uh, so you're doing that. So you're, you're, you're first... I'm trying to just figure out when sure. you're doing this, the, the muscular part. You, so you relax the muscles first, and that's how you evaluate the proper occlusion? Exactly. A proper alignment. Okay. Yeah, alignment. Proper, okay. Yeah. The reason yeah. I keep using the alignment word on purpose is this. Occlusion to dentist mean where the teeth meet. Yeah. Right? So back to the door analogy. Once the door is shoved into place, yeah, it's fitting fine. No, it's been shoved in. Yeah. So back to the occlusion. Yeah, it's been pushed into place. So in if, if in your mind, if you can delete the teeth for a minute, upper jaw's there, lower jaw's there, they're controlled by the muscles, let them go where they want to go. Yeah. And then see if the teeth are also fitting there. Life is wonderful. Most times they're not. <laughs> to, yeah. the next, to the extent they're off, we have an adaptive capacity. Not everybody needs help. We have adaptive capacity. To the extent we exceed the adaptive capacity, then we have problems then my job is to see how much can I reduce it? Because many, many factors go into this, right? Pain, perception is different. Men and women are different. Uh, athletes and non-athletes are different. Young people and old people are different. Pain is, is a subject that is, uh, uh, it is more of a perception, right? Yeah. So uh, when somebody feels pain, basically their body is saying, hey, I need help. Yeah, uh, it's, it, 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 what you're talking about is really interesting from uh, for me, from a personal standpoint as well, from a professional standpoint, I mean, w we do very similar things in very different ways because mm -hmm. what what I'm doing is releasing uh, the muscles that are squeezing on the nerves yep. um, themselves, and you're releasing, you're relaxing the muscles, and then uh, going to see if there's a, a jaw related um, reason that the muscles are 
uh, tight in, in the first place. But, you know, in either way, uh, we're, we're kind of addressing the sure. neurologic aspects of, of this uh, um, from, different, from different standpoints. Yesterday... I woke up uh, with a, a migraine, and um, so and as the day progressed, I ended up with pretty severe left ear pain and malocclusion. I couldn't close my my um, my jaw completely, and my ear hurt. And I, you know, I, I understand what's going on, <clears throat> but uh, you know that if you were my neighbor. Uh, with all of your machines there, I would have loved to, uh, <laughs> you know, this is exactly the kind of thing that that uh, that would be helped, I think, by by somebody with your expertise. Yeah, you mentioned migraine. If I could talk for a second, the most common symptom of poorly aligned jaw is not jaw problem. It's really headaches. Yeah. Number two is neck pain. Yeah. Number three is ear pain. Way down the line is jaw pain. So. Uh, a jaw can have a lot more adaptability, if you would. It can put up yeah. with a lot more than something else causing pain. The migraine is considered to be, you know, I'm sure as a physician, you know, lots of theories about why, what, and not. But one thing a lot of people have come to a certain level of consensus is uh, CGRP, calcitonin-gen-related peptide, right? Right. So that's where this new injections come, like Amovig and others, where they go block it once a month, injections and so yeah. on. But if you do some research, the, one of the largest sources of CGRP, calcitonin gene-related peptide, is the trigeminal roots. Yep. So why are they doing this? Like, why would a trigeminal root be inflamed enough to give all this CGRP release? Well, what if all day long the jaw doesn't quite fit right? Because of that, those muscles, have, as you know, trigeminal nerve is most, more sensory nerve as well as a motor nerve. It has more than half of the proprioceptive input into the brain comes from that one nerve, so that muscle is const that nerve is constantly busy because it is working to keep the jaw lined up better. Yep, and and it's you know what you're talking about is basically lessen the production of CGRP by preventing the triggering of happening in the first place. You got it. And and that's exactly what I'm doing as well in the forehead and and in the in the occipital yep. region by addressing either the supraorbital nerves or the occipital nerves, and you know the further um, fascination uh, for me is the you know there's some recent studies that have uh, tied the. Um, some commonality in nerves, uh, particularly from the occipital region, to the dura. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it completely makes sense for, for what I do for the occipital irritation to be potentially literally inflaming the dura and having a direct um, a direct line for CGRP release and pain of around the brain. And again, the dura is the lining of the brain. Right. Um, but uh, also postulated with all of this is because uh, some of that dura is the dura that's uh, around the cerebellum, mm. um, that that irritation is what is um, contributing to some patients' um, balance issues. Mm. And if I, 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 the other patient that I would love to, we'll see how long I can talk to you about this, but I I operated on a patient yesterday, um, and she previously to her, this was her second operation, uh, the first operation I did some occipital work on her, and she had really bad vertigo that was cured by 
the occipital uh, nerve release, which I, I thought was fantastic. And now I think with this, these recent studies, that all makes sense. But um, she also had ear pain. And the occipital pain all got better, but the ear pain did not. And, uh, you know, I, I don't think she was evaluated. I'm sure she wasn't evaluated by somebody with your expertise, but I'm wondering whether or not that, you know, that was the kind of patient that would be perfect for you to see. What I ended up doing is um, rele- releasing and then actually cutting her great auricular nerve. Mm. She was just begging for for improvement and I gave her a shot at that nerve and numbed the nerve up and her pain went away so that kind of showed me that I could do that but Mm -hmm. um, I'm wondering you know would your techniques and your um, your workup have shown Mm -hmm. uh, a different way to go about dealing with that patient you're talking about ear pain or vertigo Um, the ear pain Ear pain. Okay. A good part of, uh, before I forget, I mentioned earlier I got drawn a blank on the uh, myodural connection. came back to me. Rectus capitis posterior minor. Yeah, okay. Because yeah, everybody knows that muscle. It just rolls off the tongue. I actually, <laughs> I got honors in my uh, craniofacial uh, anatomy class back uh-huh. at the University of North Carolina like 35 years ago. I'm relatively certain nobody ever mentioned that <laughs> muscle. Well, I think that it was even not even discovered till about twenty years ago. Oh, okay. Uh, there you go. It's, uh, uh, it's, uh, that dates dates us both. But okay. anyway, <laughs> anyway, back to uh, your question. Uh, ear pain. Uh, this is one thing that's confusing to uh, patients as well as physicians because we are used to having something causing something. Meaning, if somebody has ear infection, a pretty good bet they have ear pain. They're not going to have something else, right? Yeah. But in this case, ear pain can also be from a poorly aligned jaw because when the jaw, lower jaw is set backwards because upper jaw may be narrow, upper jaw is further back than it should have been, then lower jaw has to go further back. And then it, if you can put a little finger inside the ear of a patient and have them close, something you can do when you're evaluating, yeah. uh, when they bite down together, if you feel pressure against your finger, that means it's really getting shoved backwards. That is a big source of pain in the ear pain. So when we align, let the jaw go where it does, because nothing is, uh, nothing is making it to go backwards, whether teeth that has to fit within, give it freedom, then oftentimes the jaw will come quite a bit down away from the posterior part of the uh, TM joint. That's where the oh, synovial, synovial fluid being produced, that's where the nerve tissue is. It's a sensitive area. So uh, that sensitive area is no longer compressed, so the pain goes away. So if somebody has ear pain like that, having the jaw just come forward some more, even temporarily, see if that helps. And um, and earlier you mentioned about dentists. Unfortunately, dental school, the school that I went to, my alma mater is in Kansas City, UMKC, is a great school. But even that school, uh, to a large extent, hasn't changed a whole lot when it comes to this one subject. Hmm. TMJ, TMD, it really hasn't evolved much. Uh, that's a bit unfortunate, but it is what it is. So when you just say, it happens many times, ENT might say, no, I don't think it's your uh, ear, ear pain, but go to your dentist. Well, the dentist looked at occlusion, give them a bite guard, they're done. Not much more left. but the, the, but the ear pain that you're talking about is actually um, is, is coming from the proximity of the actual joint to the ear. 
Correct. As opposed to this patient that I had, when I once I addressed her great auricular nerve, her pain went away. And so mm-hmm. I saw her, uh, actually I operated on her two days ago. I saw her yesterday and, and she's cured and her, her pain is better. I was thinking that perhaps the uh, issues that you were talking about with the muscles of the neck getting tight and secondarily uh, causing dysfunction to these sensory nerves, like the lesser occipital nerve, mm-hmm. which I commonly deal with, and yep. the, the greater auricular nerve. This is actually not. Um, I have one colleague who's done some a, a similar patient once before. So this kind of situation that I was dealing with was, was quite unique, but I found it very interesting. And I'm wondering whether I should also, in follow up, have her see somebody like you, who you know, because perhaps her alignment uh is causing some you know anterior uh well anterior as opposed to occipital but lower neck dysfunction that that was causing her could be to could uh, be. to have so that nerve the greater neck. the greater lesser occipital neuralgia glon if you would uh, is what you're treating a lot i'm sounding like uh but the compression uh, can many times be used to the forward neck posture you look at somebody and that forward neck posture like okay why do they have that a lot of times it's because if the upper jaw is too far back lower jaw is too close any of those issues not have enough tongue room so uh, i know you do anesthesia so look at the malampati one two three and four uh if the somebody has a malampati three or four tongue doesn't have enough room so rather than uh, the tongue going back to the throat what the body does is to compensate for it bring that neck forward so you have better air, but if you're looking forward without changing the head position, you're looking down on the feet. So the head, neck forward, and posterior rotation of the skull, that is a compensating mechanism. So now we have vision is pretty horizontal, and the airway is a little better, they're functioning it. They're compressing that area, the, the nuchal line, quite a bit. Oftentimes, that's one of the reasons. So this, and that's actually... What I think is uh, in the news a lot about uh, what do they call it? Phone neck or phone <laughs> head? I uh, saw that. Saying it, uh, it's more. It should be tongue, uh, an oh. airway head or airway neck. Well, that's funny. I saw that because I think there was an Australian study. It was. It was all over everywhere. Yeah. They had a teenagers have a. Uh, what is it? They got. A, they have horns in the back or something. Yeah, something like they're 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 finding bony yeah, bony protrusions in, right, in the right. cervical spine, right? Yeah, um, it's, it's it's fairly common, really. In my the population that I see, we take yeah. CT scans. It's fairly common. I was laughing because they act like it is something new. Just happened to uh, teenagers that are looking at the smartphones all day. It's not new, and you see it in people with that neck dysfunction quite commonly, and and they come up with a cute thing. Uh, horns on teenagers, so you can call them horny teenagers. <laughs> something, something to get their people's yeah, that, attention. I, yeah, that I hadn't heard that uh, that extreme of it, but um, it's. I'm, I'm glad to hear that Steve Jobs did not cause horny teenagers. <laughs> no, um, that, they predated. Sure horny teenagers were, were around. Long, yeah, long, long before that. Uh, uh, well, Dr. Raman, I, I can't thank you enough. This this has been uh, very educational for me and uh, hopefully uh, as well uh, as our listeners. Um, I, I really do appreciate your your explanations, and it's a really interesting aspect of, of our field of, of uh, headache, um, uh, of, of caring for headache patients um, that I think is, is often overlooked. Um, correct me if I'm wrong, but... 
uh, your website is mid, uh, midwestheadaches.com? Is yes, that right? sir. Correct. Yeah, as and I mentioned, headache is the number one symptom, so people don't know why they have it, but they know what they're having. So that's where the name came from, midwestheadaches.com. There's a blog there and all sorts of information. Uh, and you're on you're on Facebook as well, is that yes, right? People Facebook. can find and how what a P uh, PR work PR work yeah uh, at PR work great and uh, uh, I I, I and think YouTube there's a YouTube channel bunch of stuff but you can come to our website you can find them all you want if you have time to time to spend you can spend a lot of time on there. Well, that's great. I I I I um really encourage our patients to be educated about uh, all of these different things. There's so many hopeless people out there. And uh, unfortunately, I think a large part of the problem is a lack of uh, understanding of all of the things that are potentially available to them. And I, uh, I commend you on your, your vast years of uh, research and education and uh, helping all of these patients. Really fantastic. Thank I, you so much. I really enjoyed speaking with you, Dr. Lowenstein, and I particularly uh, commend you for your open mind and commend you for having the uh, curiosity to look beyond your training, look beyond the, physic- the medical training. There are other things going on, uh, and I can tell you it's not common. And yeah. uh, so I, I truly appreciate your curiosity and, the, and, and your uh, efforts to get this information out to people. I, wow. I, I nice. appreciate that. That's nice of you to say. We're always trying to do the right thing, and whether it's uh, it's doing the right thing here in our office or doing the right thing, getting other patients uh, uh, hooked up with uh, other providers that can help them, that's, uh, that's always the right thing to do. So um, great. Well, uh, thank you all for uh, listening. I hope you've enjoyed uh, the, the podcast, and stay tuned. I'm actually headed off for a couple of weeks of uh, – I don't know, I hope to say well-deserved vacation with my family, Um, but uh, in a few weeks we'll uh, start back up when we've got some exciting uh, episodes coming up, uh, talking with uh, some uh, headache um, specialists, particularly about uh, medications and uh, what are appropriate versus inappropriate, or inappropriate, excuse me, uh, medications, which I think... uh, Uh, It can potentially help uh, a lot of uh, migraine and uh, chronic headache patients out there. So, uh, again, thank you very much, Dr. Raman, and um, best wishes to everybody for uh, a great couple of weeks while I'm on vacation. (laughs) It was my pleasure. Thank you, sir. Bye-bye. You bet. Bye-bye. Hey, everybody. This is Dr. Lowenstein once again, and I have two last things to ask of you. Firstly, the thing you can do for fellow headache sufferers is to please remember to subscribe and rate our podcast. The more ratings and subscriptions that we get, the more visibility that we'll get, and the more listeners will be able to find us, and the more help and information we'll be able to provide the huge population of people who suffer from headache pain. Secondly, please remember that the treatment of headaches of all types is very individualized. The purpose of this podcast is not to give medical advice, so please use the information here on this podcast and elsewhere that you hear on the internet to broaden your knowledge, but consult with your physician before acting on any information that you hear on podcasts or see on YouTube or read anywhere on the internet. I, as a physician, don't necessarily endorse the opinions or practices of my guests, and if you have particular questions that you'd like to consult with me directly about, please call our Headache Surgery Center. Our phone number is 805 809-9004 or you can email us at info at headachesurgery.com and my staff will set up a consultation and we can discuss your specific case over the phone or in person. Our website is filled with information as well and that is headachesurgery.com. 
Thanks and best wishes from all of us here at the Headache 360 Podcast.